Hi, and welcome to DevOps Sauna, Epicode's brand spanking new podcast about all things DevOps, automation, and continuous delivery. So we're sitting here on the top floor of Epicode's Helsinki head office, where our sauna is. Now, before we get going with our first guest, I thought I'd uh, say something about thinking behind DevOps Sauna as a podcast. Now, every Friday at Efficode, we heat up the sauna, and that's where lots of the consultants go to unwind after a busy week of pipeline building and problem solving and what have you. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with saunas, I've got some homework for you. You need to watch a documentary called The Steam of Life, uh, or Miesten Water in Finnish. It's a fantastic documentary and it like embodies the philosophy of why saunas are such places of honesty and sincerity. Uh, it's where people open up to each other. And uh, saunas have kind of kind of swept over the world. It's the only Finnish loan word in the English language. And uh, wherever you go, you're going to find a sauna, which is kind of like DevOps. DevOps has gone mainstream. It's changing the way people are building software. So that's kind of why we thought uh, DevOps sauna would be a good idea. We wanted to bottle up some of the conversations we were having around the office and share them with you, really. So how about we uh, dive right in with our first guest? Um, I couldn't be more excited about her. Uh, she's one of our senior consultants. And uh, I'm, I think I'm going to call her Alice because she's always looked like an uh, Alice to me. How's it going, Alice? Yeah, it's okay. We have busy day as usual, but that's what happens. Fantastic, and you've made time for for us, which is so great. Couldn't be more pleased to be sitting here with you. So you're a senior consultant. What kind of industries have you worked across? Yeah, so I've had quite a lot of different projects. I like to change often, uh, and I've had so far health industry, the media, uh, some wood processing, and automotive. Fantastic. And what kind of DevOps have you have you been doing in those industries? Yeah, so depending, most companies are trying to enter this game of automating as much as they can, including putting into automation things that have been done previously by people randomly admining. So making it simpler, easier, and more documentable to deploy servers or to do their automation for tests and work in general in more continuous manner on their software. That is well cool. Uh, what's the best case scenario when it comes to test automation of embedded software working with a client? Yeah, so I haven't actually done the best case. I mean, the companies that have it all together and have the best case very often just do it by themselves. They don't call on consultants. So uh, I'm basically inferring from all the mistakes I've seen or all the problems that I've been called up to fix. And I think the the best way of, of doing test automation, especially in embedded software, because embedded uh, historically has been very much into the waterfall model. So you first have to plan it, 
then you implement it, you make a device, and yeah. when you have it, you test it. It's very mm-hmm. difficult to kind of guess what kind of issues you're going to have until mm-hmm. you actually have the device in your hands and, and can test with it. And that, of course, requires some experience that, that when you sit and plan, you can already foresee what kind of trouble you're going to have. But because the uh, iteration of, over hardware is, mm. is usually costly and, and you just usually want to have as few prototypes as possible and just have like one, two, and, and then just go into production with that, uh, when you start planning, it's already important to think about what test automation you're going to do. Mm. Many embedded yeah. companies think that, yeah, we're, we're just going to test it. And then the test usually means manual testing, right? Mm. And manual testing and, and automation testing is very different. The way humans like interact with the devices this is a completely different story yeah, yeah and very often developers that haven't done test automation don't even consider it until you start talking with them and they realize yeah it's it's a catch-22 you haven't seen it before you haven't tried it but you have to design for it uh, so the earlier you do it, the better. The, mm. the earlier you think about how you will be able to enter the, the workings of software when it's in the yeah. embedded device. And how do you do it even securely? So you don't even want to have only a QA engineer who specializes in test automation in embedded. You also want a security engineer with you to uh, get you all those things not only transparently, easily, but, but also securely. So when mm. this product goes into the world, it's, yeah. it's not something that you can just hack in a minute of seconds. That's possibly lives at stake, but that's maybe because I've been in the automotive where yeah. lives at stake actually are yeah. important. So There's you a, test for that. Yeah, you're putting actual humans in that embedded software. Yeah, so it sounds like the best case scenario is when you get all those experts in at the very beginning. You did, however, mention that there are some issues that can pop up if you haven't done that, or if you're not that familiar with test automation uh, with embedded software. Like, is there anything that companies can do to prevent those issues in the beginning? Like, what what are some of the tricks that you've learned that they can... Uh, take with them? So first thing that you want to take into account is that uh, even if you've done mostly embedded software, you actually want to draw on the lessons from uh, development of of regular software. Because in regular software, there is the concept of MVPs. So you very fast try to get the first minimal version and already test that. You want to test and uh, incrementally in chunks develop. Everything should be as modular as possible in the software. So then you can already, even before you have the device, even before you're sure exactly how it's going to be, when you have a skeleton that you designed to be very modular, you can already start unit testing and component testing on software that you have in your computer. And the Next thing is that um, when you're going to have that software 
inside the device, mm-hmm. you want to also have a way of directly interfacing with the software on the device, mm-hmm. like plug a cable in and, yeah. and just talk to it. Because especially if the end result is a device that is self-contained and mm-hmm. the only interface intended for the customer is just like buttons, touch screen, or or some kind of input that is designed for hands, and then your output will be, again, some letters on a screen. If you want to automate those very physical inputs and outputs later in the game, it's much more difficult, it's much less reliable, it takes much more time. You can have a camera looking at the screen, and it will work somehow, but image recognition isn't the fastest. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The display on the screen will, will take a while to display the things. You could speed up much more if you just plugged it with a cable yeah. and, and had all that communication via there. So mm-hmm. so you could already do much better if you thought about this, that, that yeah. yeah, you will have it. And yeah. it it is something that you might not think about at first. Yeah, it's almost counterintuitive. You have this thing that's meant to be used by hands, and yet in creating it, you can actually be testing it without using humans at all. It takes a bit of work in the beginning, but it's well worth it. It saves you money, saves yes. you time at that point. However, if you do it at the end of the process, that might be really difficult and expensive for you. Yeah, it's extremely expensive, especially when you realize that the human inputs there will be always some errors coming out of those. Mm. You would rather have something that repeatedly does it the same way, gives you the same results. Uh, the test environment mm-hmm. as much replicable, as much setupable as possible. So when you yeah. test, failure in the test uh, gives you clear signal that the software has made a mistake. Mm-hmm. It's not your test setup, it's not the inputs, it's not image recognition yeah. on the screen. It was the software. Let's switch gears. Could you give me a scenario that you've seen in customers in the past when it comes to test automation of embedded devices? That would be interesting. Yeah, so there is actually a... When, when you think about it as a consultant, since I enter a situation that is already developed, I have seen situations when there was a, a whole device, embedded device, that was not prepared for test automation at all. So yeah, late in the game, you have the device, you have human-only inputs and outputs, and you have mm. to automate that. Yeah, This is very hard, and I've seen lots of issues stemming from it. But I don't think that's the most interesting one. The The... One that I think is more interesting is that um, customers, to a degree, know what they're working with. I mean, they build it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the, yeah. So I've seen it that the customer had test automation for, for running the tests. But then you had to have the manual testers or the testers go physically to the device connect to it and run the tests. So you had a calendar reservation Mm -hmm. for each device. You made your reservation in advance. You took half an hour or one hour, how long you thought that the tests will take. 
And then when the day and hour came, you had to pack your things, go to the lab, set up, connect, run the tests, collect the results, pack yourselves up and go back to your desk. Yeah. So that took a lot of extra time. The scheduling with the calendar was not ideal. And if the tester has run the tests, gotten the report, but did not share it, uh, the results were basically lost to everybody else. Mm. So uh, I've seen that remedied by being hooked up with a CI chain. So all the laboratory devices were connected to computers. The computers were running a CI agent. Mm -hmm. All of those CI agents were reporting to a master. And in the master, the testers could just queue nicely with configuration of choice. And that configuration would then, by CI, select the device that would correspond. It would then run the right tests. And then the results would not only go to the tester who run it, it would also go to the database that would later be used to just do full analysis of all the results. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you yeah. suddenly got visibility on, yeah. on the whole level of the company. And that became much more, I, would, I wouldn't say even like automation that, that would just give you the, the ease of testing. It, yeah. it suddenly give you the, the, the long-term statistics on the progression of the quality of the software. Yeah, visibility is huge. That's like so many companies are after visibility over their software development processes. Cause it, yeah, and, it's like and history, you, you get trends, you're able to get much more yeah. information out of that. Mm-hmm. And then you can develop software much, much better. Yeah, that is a best case scenario. Okay, thank you so much for that. I think that's a great place to end our first ever uh, DevOps sauna podcast, which ended up being about test automation and embedded devices mostly. So uh, thank you so much for that insight, Alice. Thank you. So just to uh, round off, if you're not following us yet on social meds, social media, please feel to follow us on your social media channel of choice um, at Efficode. And uh, we had some exciting news a week and a half ago. Uh, Efficode is joining forces with a Scandinavian DevOps consultancy called Pragma. That's P-R-A-Q-M-A. They have some rock solid content on their website and across their social media channels. So feel free to check those out as well. And um, see you at the, or hear me, at the next episode of DevOps Sauna. Bye.